0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, fires
1: downfield to Jambore. Chase. He's got it. Live. And takes it all the way. DJ Moore. What are the chances our team wins $200,000 in the FFPC Best Ball Tournament? We're going to look through that today. We had a 12-team league drafted with the road is Overtime listeners, which did cause a little bit of a stir on the internet. And we're going to go through that today, look through some of the possibilities before maybe we would change our draft, where others may have went right or wrong on their boards, because we have a lot of interesting teams, a lot of different draft strategies implemented here, different roster constructions. That's what we're going to look through on today's episode. This is from, as I mentioned, the FFPC best ball tournament. $125 entry fee, $200,000 top prize. Love this format. Love the team we drafted, Sean, but that's a little bit of a spoiler for as we go through it. But we started off with a team that had no wide receivers through those opening four rounds. So we'll get into that as well. We had some fun as well. A number of listeners sent in some over unders as to where players might be adjusted by ADP for this draft room in particular. So we'll go through that as well as we go through. But Sean, we are a couple of days post draft. How are you feeling? And I guess not even how are you feeling about our team. Let's do that later. But how are we feeling in terms of the the fun time that was was had here?
2: It was it was awesome, and you know, we thank everyone at the end of the previous show when we were drafting but i just want to thank them again we had folks from all over the world we had folks driving you know many across deadlines yeah out of their way to participate and i mean that kind of thing just makes you feel good and then the event itself i think was a huge success it is interesting you mentioned that these drafts always generate a little bit of controversy but if anything i i mean this draft wasn't perhaps as wild in some ways as it easily could have been we have fantasy mojo who does a great job as one of the main uh, ffpc sort of insiders and promoters what have you uh, showing sort of players who are above adp players who are below adp and yet column with the over-unders that the listeners sent in <laughs> and they were much more aggressive than that and When you look at the draft board itself, the draft to me looks very efficient. And obviously it's going to be a little bit closer to the things that we talk about here at OT. It's going to be a little bit closer to my rankings, which I mean, my rankings are much more in the direction of you've got these guys who are going to should go much earlier. You've got these guys who should go much later, you know, just like the draft board showed. And yet, I mean, this is a much more evidence-based and tactically sound approach to best ball than what ADP is. And so the listeners were really exploiting a lot of the areas that are there in ADP, but you're also doing that against other people with some of the same ideas. And because of that, we actually could have seen, you know, certain players fall a lot farther than they did. We could have seen some dynamics where positions moved, In an even crazier fashion, one of the things here, Colin, just looking at the over-unders to start with, we had 406 suggested for Derrick Henry, a potential huge follower. Now, he was on our team last year. Uh, We have some good feeling about him as a result of that. He does go with a 303. So, again, quite a bit ahead of where some listeners thought he might go. We have 207 suggested as the potential for Brees Hall. He does fall all the way within one pick of us at the 305. So we would have loved it if he had made it one more. Colin, the drafters, I think you could say, showed some restraint, but also drafted some really good teams.
1: Yeah, there's some really, really good teams in here. And as it went along, we talked about some of the teams that were really shaping up nicely. And, and now as we go through the full 20 player rosters, it's gonna be fun to to break those down. I think there was a lot of discipline in this room. And I know when we're talking through it, there is going to be conversations from many people i'm sure who watch this who maybe have checked out road of His overtime for the first time and you know why have so many wide receivers going to start? but i think there's a lot of discipline in a room like this to know what players to select when the room is developing as it is and there's not many teams in this that have got truly caught out by that wide receiver avalanche to be honest if we look through the entire draft we are the team that has drafted a wide receiver last so if anyone got caught out it was going to be us so we'll Go through our team in a moment and people will be able to know or let us know what they think in terms of what our wide receiver room turned out like if it is going to be able to compete in this contest the way it works is two of these 12 teams is going to make it through to the playoffs then you'll go into individual 12 team leagues then two teams advance from that two teams advance from that and then that last week of the playoffs three teams will advance to that final so looking through the roster sean i think we'll we'll jump through some of the adps to get that out of the way in case we forget towards the end but jerry judy came in for an over under of 310 he was right on the button that was the 311 so he's probably as as close as, as it got to correct predictions uh we get gibbs at the 211 he goes at the 312 so a little bit of a slide there past where that projection was having him we have JSN at the 60 or at the 402. He goes at the 601. Derrick Henry, you mentioned his already. Pickens with somebody 502 goes at the 702. So when I'm looking at these, these are obviously projections sent in by some listeners who thought that these players would go vastly ahead off ADP. They have still gone vastly ahead off ADP, but not to the point where maybe in some other OT drafts, we would have thought they would have jumped. Uh Rashad White, 905. He's one of the players who actually went. Above that, that was the eight eleven, and Sean Sam Howell, who we end up drafting, we'll talk about in a little bit. The eleven oh one was projected for him. I think that was a bit tongue in cheek for where we're going to see him went off the board, but goes at the the sixteen oh seven to us. So some fun over unders there for the draft. but We had the sixth selection, Sean. So I think what we'll do is kick off with ours. We'll look through some of our other favorite teams then, and, and pick some kind of maybe things that were different to our roster in general. So. When we look at how our squad has finished up it's christian mccaffrey mark andrews ramondre stevenson dallas goddard we started off with those four non-wide receivers then we need to look at how we're going to fill out that wide receiver room we do then go with six wide receivers straight through round 10 that is drake london Jahan dodson Quentin johnson jameson williams who obviously misses the first six games of the season then romeo dobbs and then sky moore we get sam laporte as the third tight end jared goff is our first quarterback in the 12th round that is at the 1207 again in this draft sean i was a little bit surprised that maybe he lasted as long as he he did based on though he is a player that we we do talk about both last season and this season a little bit tank big tank Bigsby, then trey mcbride chase brown sam howell is the second quarterback back-to-back quarterback selections to get desmond ridder then it's dwayne mcbride zamir white and Devontae parker and the last round So we finish out with four tight ends, something that you mentioned in our strategy show that has proven to be quite effective in this format, it being tight end premium as well. And with how the flexes work out, you are able to start those on a a weekly occasion. Then we have Christian McCaffrey, Stevenson, Bigsby Brown, McBride, and Zamir White to have those six running backs. And then we have the seven wide receivers to go with it. I guess for Sean, the roster construction, is that something that as we look at it without even discussing the players. Is that a construction
2: that you're you're happy to finish up this draft with? Yes and no. I think that because we were able to get the receivers we got between round five and ten, that it worked out very nicely. One of the things that we knew were these receivers are going to go early and maybe some detours are going to work, but also that we wanted to emphasize the tight end position in the ffpc version of best ball whereas we might be fading it in the underdog version and to get a couple of those elite tight ends especially the second one in dallas got it there in a range of the draft that is pretty flat pretty weak at the wide receiver position i really like that because it now gives us so much flexibility to win this tournament in a variety of ways it gives us a lot of different tight ends to play through in the postseason gives us those two anchor running backs to fill the running back slots and tilt the field there and then because we have the youth and the upside at receiver i think we can weather the storm early and then i expect those players to perform well late to me this is a really strong tournament construction and the funny thing is that even though we've selected running backs in rounds one and round three that's the position that we probably end up being a little bit weak at because we don't select our third running back until the 13th round so one of the things you do you pull up the roster construction explorer you look at this with the running backs having the anchor and then wide receiver heavy is very effective when you go with the double anchor if you wait deep into the draft for your rb3 that's something that is extremely helpful the other thing that's a little bit interesting here. And I think that a lot of listeners are going to question is the decision to select four tight ends when we took too early. Again, you go back to the roster construction explore. It doesn't necessarily push you in the direction of four in a lot of builds. It really does think that this tournament is a four tight end structure, With the too early, you don't have to go to four, but you can more or less the three tight end and the four tight end are equivalent. Colin, one of the things that you and I talked about, and one of the things that does happen here a little bit, you look at the list of the players most above and most below ADP, obviously most above, a ton of wide receivers in there. And so we know that once we get into this range where we selected Laporta and selected McBride, that the receivers are probably not going to be particularly strong. We had a a difficult choice between Rondell Moore and Laporta at the 11-6. Probably not as difficult a choice when we took Trey McBride in the 14th because wide receiver had more or less dried up at that point. But having just taken the six wide receivers, we felt pretty good about that. We wanted Laporta to potentially go with a Jerry Goff selection there at QB. The way that that all fit together I think is really perfect not only in terms of what it does for us in a tournament but also what it does for us in terms of this particular room. How do we get out of the original 12-team league And because we have four tight ends that i really like it puts a lot of pressure on the rest of the squads and so i think that that gives us a little bit of an edge here when you're drafting against like-minded and very talented drafters you want to try and figure out what type of edge you could possibly push in that particular room colin we went very tight end heavy and then we went quarterback late everything about this team from the perspective of getting out of the original 12 team group, and then if it's competitive in the playoffs is going to rely on those quarterbacks. But as we discussed during the draft, the thing that you're really looking to do is draft a team where if you were right and the part that we have to be right about it in this particular team happens to be those late QBs. If we're right on them, then we want the rest of the build to be dynamic in a way that augments that and amplifies it. I like the way this team works from that perspective i also like the way this team works within the context of what we knew was going to happen in this draft
1: yeah and i think that is a good point to make and as well you mentioned the draft itself for anyone that hasn't heard of that is released uh you'll be able to listen to the entire draft if you want to go back and check our round-by-round discussions when those players were happening but you mentioned um a couple of the selections there that may have been pivot points one of those being the laporta pick when we look at that in particular so we have rondell Morgo's one pick after that the other one that probably falls into a discussion point is also a tight end that's trey mcbride after we had the third tight end we take him over wendell robinson two kind of wide receivers that we would be interested in having on our rosters when we look at those two picks in particular would you rather have one of you know have a tree tight end build with one of those wide receivers included in it that may have made us change our pick from Devontae parker in the last round but we won't really worry too much about that particular point but would you rather have a a tree tight end build with robinson or more on that roster and and probably the one that we may have passed up on because laporte just seemed to be standing out so much to us that that 11 six pick would be the the trey mcbride versus wendell in the the 14th round
2: no I, i like the way that it worked out i like having the tight ends we discussed on the show a lot that the two, 2 2 format, and so when we're talking about it from that perspective, two running backs, two wide receivers, and then two flex. Well, you have the one tight end as well, obviously, in that starting lineup. The two flex spots can come from anywhere, and I think that that's where FFPC ends up still being fairly exploitable. Now, if you're talking about the normal drafts where running backs are going a little bit earlier, then... What you have is even with adp having shifted in 2023 you compare it to some other formats where drafters are betting much more heavily at the wide receiver position i mean in these drafts like this you could decide to go extremely running back heavy and so it would have been interesting to see if any of the teams had taken that approach but what we can see here is even the teams that did go a little bit heavier at running back and for an ot draft we we actually have quite a few running backs going early and quite a few teams that invested in those spots. Out of the three slot, we have Derek Henry and J.K. Dobbins in three and four. Out of the four slot, we have Tony Pollard and Travis Etienne in two and four. Obviously, we selected running backs in one and three. Out of seven, you have that Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb in one and two. Out of nine, you get Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs in two and three. That's obviously A very dynamic start especially after you have aj brown in there in round one but we don't see any team go to the three running back or the four running back build and say i'm actually going to lean into this and the win the flex tool is telling me that in 2023 this is going to be much closer or potentially even go to the running back i think that these guys are going to stay healthy i think that they're going to hit i'm going to play a four running back build What we had in this room were drafters who said there are going to be strong enough running back values early that I'm going to take a couple, but then I'm going to pivot back to some of these other spots. But the part that is still fairly exploitable in FFPC is that if you can get one of those running backs as an anchor with a lot of the receivers, the fact that you have the full PPR here right so we talk all the time about how underdog with the two-three-one, you have the element where you can only play three running backs and you have to play at least three receivers and then that leaks into what happens in the flex spot even though it's half ppr when we're looking at it here you could end up putting your fourth running back in so that skews it a little bit in favor of the running backs but with the full ppr the scoring here is so tilted to these receivers if you can get the right guys that we want to win the race to fill the flex, but we also want to do it in a way Colin, that I think is flexible. Not something that you and I have had some pretty good success with a little bit of that. Obviously is going to be lucky, but by design to make sure that the build gives us different outs, the team that finished second behind Connor a couple of years ago was interesting because it was not a team that we had decided to go running back heavy with. And yet it was the late running back selections. These guys off the, zero RB candidates list were hitting and our wide receivers were hurt it was actually the wide receiver two position that was such a problem for us well I mean if you're drafting receiver heavy but that ends up being the problem that you run into it's a good sign for the overall build and what you did from a flexibility perspective I just think that this draft for us but also for so many of the other competitors is a lot better than what you get if you're closer to adp now i mean some listeners are going to say well i mean in the end the same players are drafted and that's true but you want to look at the internal consistency of the individual squads and did they move in a direction where their needs were met one of the interesting things that happened in this draft is that once we got kind of into the qb window and then later the qb started to really fall which i mean only makes sense you want to hit the end of those years you don't want to be drafting very redundant types of players or very similar types of players at the top end of the tier. <laughs> you want to get the bottom end. So drafters did a very nice job of that. column I guess I'm a little bit surprised that we didn't see larger slides from, say, the elite QBs and the QB window. Again, from that perspective of addressing those other spots and creating flexibility for the flex position, that early QB really takes out a high scoring player
1: it it really does and when we go through the teams in general one of the things that stood out a little bit to me is in terms of some of these drafts we see a number of teams go all out kind of zero rb starts and i think again that shows a little bit in this draft the intelligence of the drafters and knowing what may have been coming and how to balance that out we don't see many teams really go all the way through it but the one team that did who drafts their first running back in the eighth round they do draft josh allen as you mentioned taking potentially the firepower off another wide receiver out of that lineup so we're going to talk about that team in a moment we're going to get your thoughts to see you know what maybe could have been changed there how you think that team still lines up that is a team that started with Diggs, josh allen TJ hawkinson marquise brown michael Pittman, deontay johnson alan lazard alan lazard was also quite a bit ahead of his adp in this draft but again wide receiver kind of pushed up across the board The main consistent consistency, I guess, was tight end and wide receiver were up, and quarterback and running back then slid down that little bit. But running back, I guess, not as much as I I would have anticipated. But when we look through the team, Sean, there's quite a few teams with, I guess, we could say a a hero RB or modified zero RB start through those opening kind of five rounds. There's a number of teams who have just the one running back. We have the team in 12 that sets up with Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Jameer Gibbs gets Kyle Pitts a tight end, Branton Ayuk, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, goes to Tua, goes to Elijah Moore, then gets Anthony Richardson, then back to Alvin Kamara. So one run, running back through those opening 10 rounds. The team in 11 is C.D. Lamb, Amon Ra St. Brown, Jerry Judy, Najee Harris, Justin Herbert, Mike Evans, Alexander Madison being the second running back at the 7-11. A couple of teams Sean filling in that way, the team in 10. And again, we talk about this sometimes the back of the draft, you know, in those first two rounds, having the ability to go wide receiver, wide receiver, setting these teams up. But the team in 10, B.C.N. Robinson, Devontae Adams, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Darren Waller, Pat Fairmouth, Second running back is Cam Akers at the 8.03. And as we move on, there's one more team that has one wide receiver through that kind of portion. That is the team in five with a Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, Brees Hall, George Kittle, Justin Fields, Trelon Burks, George Pickens. Second running back is javante williams at the 808 those particular starts sean anything standing out to you and those were you surprised that not more teams knowing what was going to happen with wide receiver in this draft decided to go all in on the position
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
2: yes and no and so one of the things that you're noting here is that even though wide receivers went well above adp and running backs and qbs below and in some ways it's actually surprising that this wasn't more of a wide receiver avalanche and you look at the teams that went and and i guess sorry to interrupt but i
1: guess like looking at the third round we get saquon barkley who was well below adp in this draft you know Usually goes at the back end of the first round, but we get him, Derrick Henry. But it starts off with Hertz, Barkley, Henry, Jackson, Hall, Ramondre Stevenson went to us. So through that opening portion of six picks, no wide receivers drafted. Then we get Keenan Allen, T.J. Hawkinson, Josh Jacobs, DK Metcalf, Jerry Judy, and Gibbs. So in those twelve picks for, or sorry, three wide receivers drafted for a draft. And you you mentioned the elite quarterback also being pushed up, so that's probably something that we can talk about there as well. You know, we're not most of these drafts in the past. That third round is pretty much all wide receivers,
2: right? And you look at Barkley; he's the the biggest follower. You look at ADP and see how this format differs from the underdog format, for example. And Gibbs is much more expensive in FFPC. Those are really the biggest differences. Now, once you start to get into round four, the running back ADP tends to be shifted by. You know, a half to two-thirds of a round, which is very meaningful, right? But when we're looking at individual guys, that's probably the difference. So the funny thing here is that Gibbs actually falls below normal ADP, even though he's a very clear root of his OV OT target. When we take Stevenson in the middle of the third, we're kind of hoping that maybe the receiver Avalanche will push Gibbs all the way back down to us in the middle of the fourth, which I think will be justified. But you talked about these teams that did go fairly receiver heavy. And this is sort of the thing that Peter Oversett and I deal with on the best ball banana stand drafts as well, which is that if you play it right, it still works out very favorably for you because Clayton out of the 12, his second running back is selected in round 10. And yet the running backs he ends up with, are Jameer Gibbs, Alvin Kamara, Jalen Warren, Chuba Hubbard, Jeff Wilson, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Carter. And then, I mean, you can argue that Eric Gray is potentially a throwaway pick. He might be someone who actually is a riser from that point. But when you look at that group, you're not looking at that group and say, oh, you know, there's no chance he should have taken running backs earlier. You're saying that gamble worked out perfectly. So when you wait at running back, that's the kind of thing that you are wanting to hear. Matt out of the fifth slot took his Running back two in round eight and his running backs are Brees Hall, Javante Williams, Brian Robinson, Kendra Miller, Roshan Johnson. I mean, it's loaded. It's loaded at running back. And so waiting obviously paid off in a very big way for those teams. You look at Edgar out of eight. You mentioned that he went with the Bill stack early and then took TJ Hawkinson. And you could argue that he took some of the guys that were not maybe quite as high on at receiver. The Alan Lazard pick. Does seem a little bit odd, but it's a zero RB build in which he ends up with Dalvin Cook, Khalil, <laughs> Jerry McKinnon, Elijah Mitchell, Ty Chandler, Keontae Ingram. I mean, Ingram too, it could easily be replaced, but the most recent episode of Ceiling Bananas, Ben and I talk about how, I mean, there's no backup for James Conner. If that stays the same and Conner gets hurt, then Ingram is going to fall into some best ball value, even if he doesn't play well. I mean, this team here, and Edgar does get a couple of other fun players in terms of Odell Beckham and Khalil Shakir. Late, he gets Shakir to go with Stefan Diggs and Allen. We're going to talk about Shakir on the late wide receiver show. Colum, these teams that gambled and took advantage of the falling running back prices, I mean, their running back groups look fantastic. And so it's something we want to consider as we tack FFPC. It's something we want to think about. For the 2023 landscape in general is that if you are in a wide receiver avalanche room don't panic take the wide receivers don't worry about where you are relative to adp in the early going because the draft is going to give you the players you need late now occasionally you get into a situation where you have drafters going about it in a very different way and That can can do damage to both different types of teams. It doesn't happen here, but I think it was really cool and really interesting. One of the other teams that didn't select a running back until round five. And so we might consider that to be sort of the soft zero RB, right? There is a elite QB in there. Jalen Hurts at the 301 to go with Devontae Smith. So you have this incredibly dynamic start with Justin Jefferson, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, DJ Moore. I don't think people are still like hugely hung up on exactly what zero RB is. That's probably not true, but I <laughs> don't check in on that conversation. You know that Sean's
1: not on Twitter when uh, comments like that are being thrown out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have this really cool four player start and then it becomes Walker, Sanders, Swift, Montgomery, and Connor. So what this team has done is then vacuum up five consecutive running backs who are either clear followers or arguable fallers or good values and that's another thing that you can do in an ffpc format again with the 2-2-2 two, 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 where you have that flexibility at the flex position you can get in there on those wide receivers make sure you don't get locked out and then you can just vacuum up these middle round running back fallers. and the other thing that team did sean with doing that and that obviously worked out in this
1: draft room is they take those five and they Obviously, then they take five tight ends post that, but they take no more running backs outside of those five guys.
2: And so you get a five running back build, which in many cases, drafters are going to be going for. If you get five players who have that starting level value, then you don't necessarily need to go beyond that. And again, we're talking about how is 2023 different? What types of adjustments do we need to make? In most years, you wouldn't be talking about selecting five guys between five and nine and getting five starters. And some people are going to say, well, is DeAndre Swift the starter? Is David Montgomery the starter? But the dynamic there is that you have players with a, I don't know if he's a huge, but a very significant locked-in workload in what we expect to be high-powered offenses. So, I mean, the name of the starter doesn't really matter you're getting five guys with workloads that you can be very excited about and i think you know at least four of them we can say are pretty talented james connor is somebody that you and i have been on pretty strongly until just recently it'll be interesting to see colin what we have here with the cardinals the new coaching staff kyler murray being out i guess i'm less enthused about the potential for that offense as a whole I don't think they're going to score as many points. I don't know if they're going to run as many plays. I would have a concern that a new coaching staff, a bad team that you run the risk of getting into one of these situations where the team more or less just wants to keep the game close, get to the end of the season, take their draft picks and blow up the next year. Connor wasn't nearly as strong last year as he had been previously. Well, you have the three down workload. I love what the teams have done that waited at running back. McCollum, the other thing that we see here and the reason that you get the wide receiver avalanche continuing is that the teams that took a couple of those running backs early, we mentioned that nobody actually went super running back heavy. The teams that took those running backs early, most of them, not all, but most of them then went very heavy at wide receiver throughout you know, what we might call the wide receiver heart of the draft, that area where you have to get guys. And it's interesting too, when we talk about this particular draft, how it worked, how the wide receivers went early, Ross Durham has just published a couple of different articles about how you can take advantage of ADP in the FFPC format to make your teams work really well. Anybody who is wanting to think about some of the nuance of positional allocation and positional opportunities, both from a global perspective and from an individual player perspective, Ross has a couple articles on that. But again, I think dovetail nicely with what drafters did in this room.
1: The other thing, Sean, during this draft that I enjoyed, uh, you know, on a more not not for the drafters and and, and Frank in the second spot and the, the drafter in third, but uh was the kind of ongoing battle <laughs> between who has Bengals and who has uh Chiefs players and that between you know Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. You know, it, it was going on throughout this draft and it was fun to watch. It's gonna be interesting to see which of those becomes the most vital throughout the season and then if one of those teams makes it true do they have that week 17 <laughs> correlation with the players that are in it that that maybe needed to to win this tournament so that was fun to watch country but the final thing to wrap up on is again thanks to everyone who drafted with us. real huge amount of fun we'll have more of these listener leagues coming out and throughout the off season sean as we do wrap up our recap anything final that you want to add in
2: we touched on a little bit as the draft was going along but you also saw a nice balance between the teams who spent a QB and then showed restraint, didn't go to the third QB. The FFPC format and the roster construction explorer. Pretty definitive that you want this to be a two QB approach, unless you need it to be something else. You and I selected three quarterbacks. We had the team that was just next to us, Touch of Green, selected Jordan Love, Matthew Stafford, Bryce Young, Late, and a couple of these names show up on the list of the players who were the biggest fallers. So you look at Bryce Young, Matthew Stafford, both 30 picks or more below ADP. For them to end up on the same team there shows that that drafter did a fantastic job of, again, understanding where the values were going to be. And that if you were going to take a 3QB construction it needed to benefit from these guys falling. And again, you need to know your room. You're not going to always do that when you're playing with complete strangers, but you can get a sense of how people are going to play even early on. And the dynamic here where drafters are probably either going to stick with two QBs or they're going to wait really late. And so we have another three QB team that takes Geno Smith in 10 Kenny Pickett in 15, Jimmy Garoppolo in 20. Those are some names who also fit on the follower list. Again, you get the three QBs, but you get them at great prices. If you're going to go for three, there are names late. I mean, Mac Jones doesn't get selected in this draft. And so be aware of what you're costing yourself, even as you go down in the final rounds. When you're sitting there in rounds 13, 14, 15, 16, it can seem like no big deal to go ahead and take your quarterbacks Colin, when you and I were on the clock in round 16 and round 17, we just didn't feel like it was worth it to risk two names that we talk about all the time in a draft where they're probably the targets of other participants. But when you get down to rounds 18, 19, 20, you're talking about mostly throwaway picks. And if you can select a quarterback there, that's a big difference compared to selecting him somewhere else. CJ Stroud was 47 picks below ADP. He goes in the 19th round after some guys who... I mean, frankly, probably are going to score, you know, like 10 or 15 points all season. If you're going to do three QB, do it like that. Yeah. And another good recap and people wonder, we
1: talk about why recap drafts, you know, you want to see where the mistakes were made, how it went well, how it went wrong, what you can learn from other teams as well as your own. So hopefully people have enjoyed listening into to this one, Sean mentioned a number of times, some of the tools on the website, looking at the roster construction explorer, seeing what works best obviously you can check the adp over at the ffpc and underdog and much more if you want to get access to all the content and tools on the website you can use the code rv radio 2023 at checkout save yourself 10 percent off a Rotoviz nfl pass i guess sean that is going to wrap us up for this edition my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to martin my co-host as always is sean siegel check out sean's work on rotavis.com and until we are back have a good one